Greetings, friends. It's a new day with new mercies to be received and new discoveries to be made. Discovering daily who God really is, thanking Him daily He's mine and I'm His. It's August 14th, and we yield ourselves afresh to the One who offered His life to us, purchased us by His blood and made us His own, and now lives in us and reproduces His attributes so we can minister His life to others. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher in Concord, Massachusetts, and host of this podcast, The One-Year Bible Tour Guide, where we read through the entire Bible in a year, consider its vast scope and its central subject. There is a Redeemer, and He has made Himself and His redeeming work known. The One who died for us rose again to live in us, and He is doing a restoring work in us and through us. Speaking of restoring works, we have been reading the scroll of Ezra Nehemiah, two books in one scroll that record the restoration of the city of Jerusalem after it came under God's judgment for its disobedience and the people were taken captive in Babylon. After 70 years, God mercifully and providentially enables a remnant to return. He provides leadership, materials, workers, and great grace to enable the altar, temple, city dwellers, and city walls to be restored. It is a testimony of God's favor resting upon them, a testimony that is witnessed by the surrounding people groups, including their enemies. We are in the book of Nehemiah, continuing to see how his leadership and organizational skills mobilized the remnant in Jerusalem to accomplish tasks needed for their recovery from the devastation of their past. We have seen the example of Nehemiah exercising his privilege in prayer and fasting, and today, we will begin to read the longest prayer recorded in the Bible. It is truly remarkable. So let's begin where we left off yesterday, starting at Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 73. I do realize that some versions of the one-year Bible start on verse 61. So for the sake of those people who have editions that begin with verse 61, why not start there? The following were those who came up from Tel Melah, Tel Harsha, Cherub, Adon, and Immer, but they could not prove their father's houses nor their descent, whether they belonged to Israel. The sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nakoda, 642. Also of the priests, the sons of Hobiah, the sons of Hakoz, the sons of Barzillai, who had taken a wife of the daughters of Barzillai the Gileadite, and was called by their name. These sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but it was not found there, so they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until a priest with Urim and Thummim should arise. The whole assembly together was 42,360, besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337, and they had 245 singers, male and female. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, and their donkeys 6,720. Now some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 derricks of gold, 50 basins, 30 priests' garments, and 500 minas of silver. And some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave into the treasury of the work 20,000 derricks of gold and 2,200 minas of silver. And what the rest of the people gave was 20,000 derricks of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 priests' garments. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, 
the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. Now beginning with verse 73. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. Ezra reads the law. Chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maasiah on his right hand, and Pediah, Mishael, Melchijah, Hashum, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Yamin, Akub, Shebethai, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law, while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense, so that the people understood the reading. This day is holy. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, and to send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Feast of Booths Celebrated On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites, came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them, and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, 
and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths, and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua the son of Nun to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. The people of Israel confessed their sin. Chapter 9 Now on the twenty-fourth day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it they made confession and worshipped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Tunani. And they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Parasite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heard their cry at the Red Sea, and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers. And you made a name for yourself, as it is to this day. And you divided the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and you cast their pursuers into the depths, as a stone into mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night, to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai, and spoke with them from heaven, and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath, and commanded them commandments and statutes, and a law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger, and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously, and stiffened their neck, and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey, and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck, and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, 
and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. And this concludes today's portion from the Old Testament reading from the book of Nehemiah. Let's summarize the highlights. In earlier chapters in the book of Nehemiah, chapters 1 through 6, we saw how 41 teams of fellow pilgrims under Nehemiah's direction were working in clusters, repairing the various parts of the wall of Jerusalem. They did it in just 52 days. Even their enemies, who worked so hard to prevent their success, realized that this work had to have been accomplished with the help of their God. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. After the wall project was completed, there was a need to organize the people. Gatekeepers, singers, and Levites were appointed to provide security and spiritual and civil organization. The genealogical records were checked to see if people were registered as legitimate citizens of this new Jerusalem. As our reading begins, we see that some did not have their name written in the book of records. Chapter 7, verses 61 through 65. They could not show that their families had descended from Israel. These were excluded from the priesthood as unclean and would remain so until their citizenship by ancestry could be proved. Nehemiah also recorded what the heads of families contributed to the work. Chapter 8 records a great assembly when once again the people gather as one man on the first day of the seventh month, the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, as recorded in Numbers 29 verse 1, indicating their unity of purpose. They gathered on October 8th 444 B.C. to hear God's word. Ezra brings out the law and reads it aloud from daybreak till noon. Ezra read the Torah from a high wooden platform constructed for the occasion. This is the origin of pulpit preaching. People honored the Lord by honoring His word. They stood as the word of God was read to them. They put themselves symbolically under the word. They listened with the intent to obey. The people responded by lifting their hands, in verse 6, saying, Amen, then bowing down and worshiping the Lord with their faces to the ground. While they were gathered there, certain instructors helped to interpret to each group the application of the word. They read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so they understood the reading. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. The law was written in Hebrew, and the people spoke Aramaic, so it was important for the people to have the word interpreted into the language of their hearts. It is helpful, once we hear the word of God expounded, to meet with our families, our brothers and sisters, in small groups to discuss the meaning of what we have just heard, and see how it applies to our daily living and current situations. Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites help the people see that the law that demands righteousness also contains the promise of God's gift of righteousness through one who would be the joy of Yahweh. The joy of God the Father, Yahweh, is that which gives him satisfaction, and that was the righteousness expressed in his law. 
The real joy of the Lord, Yahweh, is the Lord Adonai, Jesus. To him the Father declared that he was well pleased. He rejoices over him with singing, and all those who are in him. Thus the law was their strength. The person of Christ is our strength. The finished work of Christ is our strength. The indwelling life of Christ through the Holy Spirit is our strength. Only as we abide in Christ, who honors the law with his joyful obedience, are we strengthened in our innermost being. With this declaration in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the people went to their homes to eat, drink, and send portions of food to others with great joy. Why? Because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 12. On the second day, the people realized that it was written in the law that they were to commemorate the Lord's faithfulness to provide shelter for them in the wilderness wanderings by building booths with myrtle branches, otherwise known as Hadassah branches, and celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles in chapter 8, verse 15. According to Leviticus chapter 23, it should have been from the 15th to the 22nd day of the seventh month. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1, on the 24th day of the seventh month, they confessed their sins in a solemn ceremony of repentance. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 21, records the Levites' prayer of worship in which they honor the Lord's faithfulness towards them throughout history. Verses 6 through 15 all have you as subject in the sentence. You, that is the Lord. From verse 17, the pronoun they becomes the subject of the sentence, highlighting their history of unfaithfulness. They became arrogant, stiff-necked, did not obey, refused to listen, failed to remember, appointed a leader to return them to Egypt. Despite their failure, God showed them mercy. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 17 and following, But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them, even when they made for themselves a calf of molten metal and said, this is your God who brought you out from Egypt and committed great blasphemies. You, in your great compassion, did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth, and you gave them water for their thirst. Indeed, forty years you provided for them in the wilderness, and they were not in want. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet swell. We will continue reading this remarkable prayer, the longest one recorded in the Bible, tomorrow. Now let's move on to our next stop on our Bible tour, the reading from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1-18. through 18. Paul gives his personal example of surrendering his rights that is, his personal liberties in Christ, for the good of others. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? 
who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit, or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward, but if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. And this concludes today's portion of our New Testament reading from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. The Apostle Paul defends his apostleship to the church in Corinth. They have been seduced by false teachers and those who claim to be super-apostles. These false apostles charged money for attendance to their meetings and prospered materially. They implied that Paul was not a bona fide apostle because he did not charge money and lived simply. Paul defends his position, saying that, although the Scriptures teach that he and the other true apostles had a right to receive financial support from those for whom he labored, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 3-12, through 12, he chose not to receive funding from Corinth. He was receiving support from other churches at the time, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8. He chose to forego this right and offer his services free of charge, as it was important for it to be clear in the Corinthian situation he was not beholden to any man. Paul defends the right that ministers of the gospel have to be supported financially in their work in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, but their motivation is not financial reward, but the inner compulsion to extend God's saving act to reconcile guilty sinners to himself through Christ's death on the cross. For our next stop on our Bible tour, we go to the book of Psalms, and we continue reading Psalm 33 today, beginning with verse 12. Peter Healy will be reading. Psalm 33, verses 12 through 22. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of men. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. 
and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him. Because we trust in his holy name, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Thank you, Peter. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. In Psalm thirty-three, twelve, The Lord knows his creation and those who trust him. Have you trusted him for your salvation? Do you believe his promises? Do you look for his coming? Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in Him because we trust in His holy name. Psalm 33, verses 20 through 21. Verse 22 is a suitable prayer for His church. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hoped in you. And now we go to the book of Proverbs, our final stop on our tour today. Proverbs 21, verses 11 and 12. When a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down to ruin. We need more than discipline. We need instruction. We need examples, but we also need to rightly learn from them. Verse 12 reminds us that the righteous one observes what is right and wrong and must face the wrongdoer with the just consequence for his or her misdeeds. Now let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to know that you hear us when we call out to you. We exalt your word and gladly put ourselves under its rule, trusting the fact that faithful are you who call us to obedience, who will also do it. You will perform according to your word. Your joy, that is your Son, the Lord Jesus, is our strength. His indwelling life in us is our capacity to obey. Enable us to do what is pleasing to you this day. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 So be it. We agree. It is true. Thank you for being with us on today's excursion through the One Year Bible, and we look forward to continuing again tomorrow, reading the book of Nehemiah, finishing his prayer, and then continuing Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and also gleaning from the book of Psalms and Proverbs. If you have any comments or questions, we love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church, its ministries, how you can support our ministry, you can go to our website, where also you can subscribe to a free written copy of the day's portion from the One Year Bible. So until next time, remember... The joy of the Father, the person of His Son, our Lord and Savior, is your strength. May you know His joyous strength today. God bless you.